This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample. I'm your host, Dina Marie Hale, and today we are going to focus on the beauty of marriage. And as we begin this afternoon, Archbishop, would you please help lead us in prayer? Yes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, your love for all of us is mirrored in the love of husband and wife and family life. For this image models for us, Lord, your own love for us poured out in your son Jesus upon his beloved bride, the church. We ask you to be with us in this broadcast in a special way as we discuss a somewhat difficult and delicate topic at times, but one that is so beautiful, Father, because you have revealed it to us, and it is a reflection of your love and goodness and beauty. And so we ask you to be with our listeners, anoint their ears so that they may hear clearly, and our lips so that we may speak words of truth in love always in mercy. So we place this time, Father, as always in your hands, asking you to lead us and guide us. All this we ask through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Last week, we talked a bit about telling our story and reflecting upon the work here in the Archdiocese of Portland of, of spreading the good news. And one of the, the main stories, obviously, creation, he created the male and female complementarity between husband and wife to go and be fruitful and to to procreate and to really continue on the human race. So there was a purpose and a particular plan that God, our creator, had for male and female in his image. We hear these words Mm -hmm. in the beginning of the scriptures, and we also hear about this wedding feast. You know, at the close, as the the bookend of the Bible, we hear that we're to marry God, so to speak. We're to have a full union. So there's a purpose, a plan. It's ordered in a particular way because God is love because he loves his creation. And I just thought we have so many things that continue to break down the most basic cell of society, the family life, that let's talk about the good, the beautiful, the truth behind the family. So we can really get a sense, you know, once you see the light, (laughs) we can see the truth, but there's so much darkness being (laughs) shown throughout the culture, through the politics, uh, through the media. We talked about the media earlier last week that we need to know and be grounded in what's true. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's funny, yeah, because I was I was dis- I was having a conversation during a recent pastoral visit to, uh, to one of our vicariates here in the archdiocese, and I was sitting at the meal after mass 
uh, with a, a young woman uh, who was very, very, I was impressed. <laughs> she was very well-educated, uh, very articulate, very well-versed in issues of, of, of philosophy, of, of sociology, of, of theology. Uh, it was a wonderful conversation. I was so encouraged and, and, and enlightened by, by her zeal. Um, and we, we were having this discussion that, that, and, and that people, people, it seems our culture has gotten to the point where people are, are being driven by emotion all the time, by sentimentality, by, by, by what feels right, what feels uh, true for me, etc. We've forgotten how to think and how to seek truth. You know, and, and this is key. This is, this is really something that's, I think, very much at the heart of a lot of the cultural crisis that we're in these days, especially as it regards um, our, our vision of the human person, our understanding of a Christian anthropology, of our, some of our social institutions like marriage, even our morals, our, our beliefs and morals. You know, there used to be this great human project endeavor to seek truth, to really strive for truth, to find the truth of, of, of the world, the truth of ourselves, the truth of God and his relationship with us. You know, St. Augustine a great example of this, you know, St. Augustine was a man who was absolutely, completely immersed in the world, really immersed in the world. And I, you know, uh, he doesn't, he's not overly explicit, but in his confessions, you get the picture <laughs> yeah. that this was a man who was living very much in the world, being driven by his passions in many ways. But he was also a brilliant mind that sought truth. And he, he, he kept looking and searching for truth, and he finally found his way out of that kind of a worldly, even sinful way of living into the truth of Christ. And, and that's been kind of our, our tradition throughout history is, is to be seekers of truth and goodness and what is right. Now it seems that uh, the culture is, is it's what Pope Benedict, really the 16th, called, and Pope Francis has used the same phraseology, this dictatorship uh, or a tyranny of relativism, that there is no such thing in the minds of many people as any other thing that would be called an objective truth. Uh, it's, uh, it's just what's different, what's true for you might be different than what's true for me, and it's, a, you know, we're just, and we fight about it now. But there's no, there's no sort of seeking a common truth. Can we come together and seek what is true and what is right, both using our human reason uh, and science, but also what is revealed to us. And that's, that's where can you picked mm-hmm. it up. So that's where we start with this, mm-hmm. you know, and just going back to the book of Genesis. And, you know, people need to understand, you know, Genesis is not, and of course, this is going to cause a, a stir maybe in, in some of those that are a little bit more fundamentalistic uh, when it comes to Scripture, but the book of Genesis and its description of creation was not meant to be an actual scientific historical account of exactly the way God went about making the universe. The, the message of Genesis is that all that, is, all that exists is created out of nothing, ex nihilo, as we say in, in Latin, out of nothing. God created everything out of nothing. God was the only being that has no beginning, that is eternal. And everything that exists was created by God in an orderly way, and that the crowning work of his creation was the human person. And so we read in Genesis, when he gets to that, he says, Then God said, this is Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So 
God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God said, bless them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. You know, I I, I think that we find there something very important. Mm -hmm. And that is this idea that the human person is created in the image and likeness of God. But part of the imaging that the human person does of God is in the complementarity of the sexes. God created him and his man in his own image and likeness. Male and female, he created them in his image and likeness. So there's something there in the, the, the differences between male and female that are part of God's revelation to us. And it's part of a revelation of his own being. Now, you know, scripture scholars have, have questioned and, and discussed and scholarly debated over this, this use of the, of the plural here. Let us make God in our image and likeness. What is this, our? Mm-hmm. This is God speaking. Well, some, and it's been rejected by it, but, but some have pointed out that, well, there's a, there's a plurality there in the Godhead, isn't there, that's being expressed. Let us make him, let in our image. You know, is this, is this a reflection of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? You know, the three persons mm-hmm. in the Holy Trinity, the three persons who are God. And so somehow... The, the creation of man and woman in the image and likeness of God in their complementarity in male and female is part of a revelation of the inner life of God to us because it's, it's imaging him in some way. And this is how we've understood marriage. And this is how we understand marriage as a sacrament. Uh, uh, you know, marriage between Christians, baptized Christians, is always a sacrament. It's a sign. It's a sign of something. And what is a sign? It's a sign of, 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 of a couple of things, really. There's many levels of symbolic language, if you will, in the, in the human person, in, in our creation. One of the things that we need to understand here is this. Our bodies are an essential and important part of who we are, of our very identity as a human person. You know, there was a um, heresy throughout the history of the church, and it keeps rearing its ugly head, quite Mm -hmm. honestly, and it's rearing its head again today, Mm -hmm. called dualism. And dualism basically separates. Um, It's it's been expressed different ways throughout history, but it basically, in in a Christian anthropology, it separates body and soul. That somehow the soul is one thing, and the soul is really who we are, and the body is just kind of there as an accidental thing. Sometimes you might be a mind-body split, if you will, or a spirit versus a corporeal uh, reality, the, the, the physical part of us and the spiritual part of us. But the dualism would separate the two and say they can be separated. But in a, in a Christian understanding, as revealed to us by God, no, the human person is one, body and soul. And a human person is not complete. Mm-hmm. Without body and soul, that's why at the when at the end of time, when Christ comes again in glory, our bodies will be raised up, and we will be reunited with our souls and body, and that's how we're going to spend eternity in these bodies, glorified, of course. 
So there, so, so the physicality of our nature is not accidental. It's not, it's not negligible. It's not dismissible. It's who we are. So, you know, when, when we look at our, our physical nature, that's an expression of who we are, united to our soul, our spirit, our mind, and, and, and that, so that the, the, the physical nature of our body is a part of who we are. This is what St. John Paul II was uh, so trying to get at in his beautiful theology of the body. Mm-hmm. He was trying to raise up before our eyes this powerful reality of creation, the goodness of God, the love of God poured out and revealed to us in human nature, that the human person, body and soul, is, is beautiful, and that in that physicality of our being, there's something of the, of the reflection of God in us. So it's not accidental. So, you know, the, the, the male sex, the female sex is, is essential to God's creation of the human person and the complementarity. You know, even Pope Francis, uh, when, when we were with him in, on our Lehman visit a couple of years ago in Rome, talked about this in terms of a lot of the, the gender ideology that's out there today. And he, he saw this gender ideology as a grave threat because it, dis, it, 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 it eliminates God and his, his creation and, and that it eliminates this idea of complementarity and, and the individuality, the individuation of, of the sexes, which is part of God's plan. And when we can just erase that and dismiss that, uh, that's, a, that's a rejection of God in his mind. Um, and so, uh, you know, in this beautiful image of, of husband and wife, that's why, you know, uh, later in Genesis, uh, uh, in the second story of creation, where the account is where God takes the, the rib from Abraham or from Adam and fashions woman, uh, Eve, uh, he says, that's why a husband, a man leaves his father and mother mm-hmm. and clings to his wife and the two become one flesh. I mean, that's a, that's not a very uh, veiled reference to the sexual union of husband and wife in marriage when they come together and become one flesh. And the complementarity of the sexes really reflects the image of God in us. It reflects the Trinitarian life because father Mother, husband, wife come together in their love, and they bring forth children, God willing. Well, this reflects the Trinity, the Father and the Son loving each other from all eternity. That love is so real and intense that it produces and what proceeds from their love is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. In other words, the love of the Father and the Son is generative, is gives life, if you will, generates uh, the, the Holy the Spirit through all eternity. The Holy Spirit doesn't have a beginning. This has been going on for all eternity. Mm-hmm. This is reflected in marriage. Yeah. Husband and wife coming together, their love producing another person, uh, their child, God willing. So, but also the the love between husband and wife is reflective in in St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians chapter five of Christ's union with His Church, the bride. That the husband love of husband and wife is to reflect the love of Christ in His bride, the Church, and the, and the love of the bride for Christ, uh, the bridegroom. And you know, just to to conclude this point, it's such a beautiful thing, but. And to put it very bluntly, quite honestly, a man's body does not make any sense without a woman's body. And a woman's body makes no sense without a man's body. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were made for each other in the complementarity, in that unitive uh, conjugal union that happens between a husband and a wife uh, that, that, that signifies that solidifies, that strengthens their unitive love for each other, but also then becomes 
the 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 means by which God populates the earth and uses man and woman as sort of co-creators of, of new human life. It's such a powerful, beautiful mystery. Yeah. And that is the beauty of God. A couple of weeks ago, Archbishop, we talked about the Catechism of the Catholic Church and so much of the beauty of how we look at marriage and that beautiful union of one man and one woman. We can learn, we can continue to grow. However, we live in a broken world. You've yes, mentioned this yes, so many times. Yes, yes. We live in a broken world. We live with uh, surrounding us with different definitions. Mm-hmm. And so as we look at just the human person, our, our Christian community, our brothers and sisters in the pews, in the parishes, who are, who are striving to live holy lives. And yet we're bombarded with, with all of this that we just know in our gut is not true, mm-hmm. is something that is more destructive. Because as you talk about a man and a woman, that brings about life. That's life and beauty. Everything that we see out there is a distortion, really brings about death. Mm. And and the evil one really is all about lies and, and deceit. Right. You know, and I think that uh, this is this is that very delicate delicate balance that that has to be walked uh, because we need to to acknowledge the dignity mm-hmm. of every human person. Mm-hmm. Every human person created in the image and likeness of God. Uh no one uh is is beneath another in, in terms of how they are loved uh, mm-hmm. by God. I I often say this, you know, I I no, some people would not think that at all. But I mean, just because I'm I'm the Archbishop of Portland in Oregon, uh, doesn't mean that God loves me any more mm-hmm. than any other person in this archdiocese, believer or not, be- non-believer, uh, uh, whatever they might be struggling with. You know, we're all children of God. We're all created in His image and likeness and loved by Him infinitely. So it's it's acknowledging the dignity of every human person even with whatever struggles they may have. Mm-hmm. You know, if those are same-sex attraction struggles, whether they are gender dysphoria struggles, whatever they might be, and they're very real struggles, and I don't mean to at all minimize that. Mm-hmm. It's very real, uh, and they need to be loved and honored and accepted. That, without uh, buying into the lies, then that sometimes are perpetrated out there that, that, that are at, at odds with this revelation of God's beauty and dignity in, 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 in marriage. It's a very, very delicate balance, and it's very difficult to walk that line. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so often, you know, we, we, and we heard this during the synod process very strongly that, you know, uh, persons, you know, who struggle with areas uh, such as this um, often don't feel welcome in the church. They feel judged, they feel condemned by the church. And we, the church, have to find a way to acknowledge and accept uh, all people, uh, whatever they might struggle with, while at the same time holding on to what has been revealed to us and what is true and what is good and what is beautiful and, and, and to uphold the dignity of marriage and the uniqueness of marriage as a, between a man and a woman for the uh, unitive aspect, the, for the good of the spouses and for the good of, of any children that God might uh, allowed to be born through the union of that couple. So it's, 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 it's a real challenge at times, but the, 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 the danger would be to simply dis, dismiss marriage as God has planned it as just you know, one way of, of looking at marriage and relationship. No, it's, it's the way God mm-hmm. has ordained 
for humanity from the very beginning. And all of, all of history, all of history has borne witness to this, that this is, you know, I mean, for literally uh, thousands, uh, maybe hundreds of thousands of years, who knows, you know, where, I don't know, I don't know, I'm not up on all my, you know, when rational being Homo sapiens came into being and all of that and society began to form. But through all of organized society, you know, people have always recognized this importance of marriage between men and women and, you know, the, the children that come from that and the, and the importance of the nurturing of the family as being essential to society and to the health of society. You know, this has been unquestioned throughout all of history mm-hmm. until really more recently. Right. You know, and so I, I, we, need to, we need to think about that mm-hmm. and, and what is it that, you know, because I think it's, it was always a recognition of what was true and what was good, and 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 now we're driven by, uh, again, as I said earlier, not not such a desire to find truth and what is really true, even as comf- as uncomfortable as it might be for us, as challenging as that might be for us. And listen, you know, I'm a sinner like everybody else, and the truth challenges me plenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in in other areas, and uh, you know, for me to conform my life to the gospel. And not to try to conform the gospel to my worldly view, you know. This is this is the challenge, and I think there's a lot of the latter going on these days. You know, instead of looking at what God has revealed, what is true, what is revealed to us in sacred scripture, what is revealed to us in all that we talked about a couple programs mm-hmm. ago about the catechism and the teaching of the church, guided by the Holy Spirit. So instead of looking at all of that, and then trying to conform my life to that. As challenging as that may be, <laughs> and for some people, and I'll say, for me at, at, at times in certain areas, it's a tremendous challenge to conform my life to that, but that's what we're called to, and we may fail, and we may fall short right. of the mark, but God's mercy is always there for us. He's always encouraging us. He's always loving us. He's always reaching out to us, calling us forward. He never rejects us, and uh, only we can reject him. So this is this is how we should live, and it can be very challenging. It can be very, um, well, it can be it can be almost debilitating at times to to try to let go in in order to give my life to this. But it seems like so many now in the world want to take my. I start I start with my own sociological, political, philosophical view, and then I want to form the gospel according to my view of things. And what emotionally or, or on a feeling level seems right and just to me. Um, you know, God says, you know, your ways are not my ways. Uh, you know, my ways are far superior to your ways. And even when we don't see it, even when we can't understand it, I know that to be true. And so I give my life to that. And, and what we need to do is help married couples live this vocation, uh, you know, and give every support that we can to them. It's hard. Listen, I, I'm, I'm a 61-year-old celibate male who's never been married, and I have not raised my own family, obviously. And I watched my sister raise her family, and now I'm watching uh, her daughter raise her family, uh, uh, my grandnieces and grandnephew. Uh, and I, but I've certainly, in 32 years of priesthood, have been around so many different families, and I've been right there, right in the, in the midst of their struggles and their challenges and, and 
thank God people have been so good in sharing their lives with me and as I try to help as, and support as much as I can. So I know it's not easy. It's a tremendous challenge. And it's, quite honestly, I think it's getting harder and harder. I think for parents who are raising young people and children in the world today, God bless you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have my undying admiration and respect and prayers and support. And, and it, it's got to be extremely hard. But we need to do that. We need to support this this essential part and element of the life of the church, of the life of society. You know, the church calls the family the domestic church. Husband and wife, children, family. This is the domestic church. This is the church in the home. It's the smallest unit of the church. And the health of the body is in its smallest cells. Uh, and uh, if the cells are, are healthy and doing well, the body will be well. When the, when the cells are sick, uh, then, then the body's going to be sick. So we need to strengthen our, our families, the building block, really, of church and society. Right. And I think just as we come to a close, really seeking God's grace, seeking God's grace when, in our vocation. We've talked many times about the vocation to the priesthood, religious life within that vocation, vocation to marriage, a vocation to a single life that is dedicated to the Lord, that we only, by God's grace, can we live in any of those vocations and strive and fall and go back to the Lord. But the church provides us so much through the sacraments, Mm -hmm. uh, through, as you mentioned, God's mercy, that we have to continue to move forward, fall forward into the arms of God. Yes, you know, and I think people who are married must never forget that there is a grace of that sacrament of marriage that they have, you know, and, and for many of the sacraments, the grace is given at the time that the sacrament is celebrated. And then, you know, it's a moment of grace, you know, like in, in, in reconciliation, that's a moment of, of, of absolution and, and the restoration of grace in baptism. It's the grace of baptism, the divine mm-hmm. adoption, the washing of original sin, the f- sanctification, the indwelling of the, all that all comes and is a grace in the moment of baptism when we receive the Eucharist, it's it's that moment of, of Holy Communion when we receive Christ in the sacrament, and it's it's a moment of, of receiving that grace. What I think married people need to remember is their sacrament, the, their sacrament gives grace every day, every moment, every second. In other words, it's not a momentary thing that happened on the day of their wedding. It's something that happens in the reality of their daily lives. Every day, God is offering them the grace of their sacrament of marriage, that they can draw upon the grace of that sacrament, which Christ will continue to pour out through the marital bond itself. The sacramental bond is where the grace comes. So every married couple should be on their knees every day praying for the grace of the sacrament of their marriage to be strengthened and poured out on them that day. Absolutely. And with the God's Holy Spirit, we'll continue to do that. Thank you, Archbishop. And I want to invite you to help us close with your blessing. Yes, and a special blessing, especially in our families. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, all of you wonderful families, and be with you this day and forever. Amen. Amen. And thank you for joining us on this edition of The Voice of the Shepherd. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie Hale, and until our next encounter, may God bless you. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. 
please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.